0: So I want to welcome you to week three of Hallelujah Anyway. By the way, when you say the word Hallelujah, what you're saying is praise God, praise the Lord. And we're going to break that down just a little bit. We're in week three, so we've already covered the first few verses of Philippians chapter one. But I have to tell you as we get started, some of you this morning find yourself in the midst of a setback. It's just where you are. You're feeling stuck. You're feeling like... You're not moving forward. You're in a setback. Let me tell you what setbacks are. A setback can become God's setup for a comeback. Let me say that again in case you didn't get that. Your setback has the potential to become a setup for your comeback. Some of you find yourself there, and I hope that by the time we get finished today, you're going to be ready to go chew the end of a crowbar off or attack the gates of hell with a super soaker. Because the enemy is a liar. Can I just announce that right away? And the situation and circumstance that you find yourself in right now is only a fact. It is not the truth. And facts are temporary and subject to change. Let me say that again. Facts are temporary and subject to change. But truth is eternal. Truth is the long game. Truth is forever. Forever. Let me tell you something, the truth of who you are, we just sang about it, that I'm a child of God, you're a child of God, you're a son, you're a daughter of the Most High God. Let me tell you, you are royalty, you're a king's kid, you're his son, his daughter, you're his beloved. So just think about it in these terms, your setback is only temporary, and it is subject to change. In Jesus' name, I speak that over you, Amen? amen? So as we get started this morning, there was a the little warm-up. As we get started this morning, I want to just share this with you. A number of years ago, I found myself in a setback. I mean, the wheels had fallen off our life. I'm not going to go into the whole story. I've told it before. But I, we were jobless, and this is how brutal it was. We were living with our kids. Yeah, they weren't living with us. We were living with them, and tell me, let me just say, that was awkward. And so we found ourselves in that, and I had a choice to make in the middle of a setback. I could be just crawled up in a fetal position in in the bedroom, sucking my thumb and crying out for mommy. Or I could say, wait a minute, I've got time that I normally do not have. I'd been in ministry for many years where it was just 24-7, nonstop, go, 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 pedal to the metal. And then all of a sudden, I've got time. At first, it was very unnerving, but then it was like, wait a minute wait a minute, I've got time that I've never had before. And so what you may not know is that I had been in seminary, Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Fort Worth. Say that fast three times. It's tough. I had been there, and I had gotten all the way up to my senior, my last year in my graduate program, I only had two classes to finish, and that's when the wheels fell off. That's when another setback happened. By the way, setbacks happen all the time. Can I get an amen? It's not an if, it's a when. Because it's just going to happen because it's the world that we live in. We live in a fallen world. That means junk happens. Things break. People betray. Not everybody's nice and kind like you. And when that happens, you end up in a setback. So here I am. Only two, two classes was all I needed. And so... I rang up a friend of mine. Actually, I called the school and said, hey, can I finish out? I only have two classes left. They said, sure. Where are you at? I said, I'm in Nashville. They're in Fort Worth. That's quite a commute for two classes. So I decided to go a different route. I called a friend of mine who sat on the board of directors of another college, and I said, Rick, is there any way I can go ahead and finish my degree? Can you work with me on that? They said, he said, absolutely, we can make that work. I got my transcripts, and I only had two classes to do. So instead of sitting and sulking in my sit back, I got busy. And I got to tell you, those two classes, it was a lot harder doing it online. Not online, but the way they gave me the assignment than it was actually being in class. So it was all in for days and hours every day, every day, every day. And I worked and I worked and I finally got that done, turned in and I received my master's degree after about a 15 or 20 year break. Better late than never, right? But the idea was this, is that I was stuck. I was in a setback. I could have just stayed there. But instead, it was like, no, wait, let's maximize this. And I'm so glad that I did. Let me tell you something. The Apostle Paul is a master of maximizing a setback, maximizing his moment, maximizing his time, and saying, wait a minute, could it be that this setback is actually an opportunity and a setup for a comeback some of you are finding yourself there right now. Let me tell you something. It's not over, and your story has not been fully written. You know, in the story arc of any good story, any epic story, we love stories. Gladiator, come on, that's a story. What about, uh, I mean, we could go on. The Wizard of Oz, Woohoo! But here's the deal. In every epic story, there's always a protagonist, and there's always an antagonist. And there's a story arc that every classic epic story fo- follows, even the ones in the Bible, and even the Bible as a whole. And in that story arc, everything is going great, unless it's a Hallmark movie, and it always goes great. <laughs> their their, their antagonist lasts for about 30 seconds, right? And then cut to commercial, then everybody lives happily ever after, right? She marries the wealthy guy from the small town. She doesn't go back to the big city anyway. It all works out great. But in real life, in the life that we live, and the epic stories that have resonated in our hearts, there's this massive epic drama when the antagonist comes in and destroys the villain, the, the evil king, or, or it could be the, 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 the uh, devil replica. I mean, it could be anything, but it's always going to come in and interrupt And when that happens, everything falls apart. And fortunately, in 99.9% of the stories, there's going to be a turn. There's going to be an epic shift. That setback is going to turn into an opportunity, and that hero rises up. That overcomer comes up, and suddenly they grab hold of something. They're motivated by something. Something greater, something bigger than them happens, and they rise from the ashes, and we cheer, and we throw our popcorn in the air, right? We get excited. We get fired up and then we go buy figurines and from Marvel Comics and all that, because there's something about that that imprints our life. Why does it resonate with us? Because it's the story of the Bible. But it's your story too. And I'm telling you the movies I detested will never watch again were the ones that ended badly. That didn't have the hero rising from the ashes. We watched a series one time and and we watched it for like seven seasons and then it ended terribly. They killed the hero at the end. I'm like, what? That did not resonate with me. I tell people do not binge watch this show on Netflix, ever. You're gonna be disappointed in the end. The hero dies. And it left us all going, that's not an epic story. Paul finds himself in a story, so to speak, and he finds himself in a setback. In fact, we're going to look at that. Now, the title of today is Celebrating in the Circumstances, but let me clarify, that doesn't mean celebrating the circumstances. Sometimes your circumstances are terrible, horrible, horrific, devastating, decimating, destructive in nature. So we're not celebrating the circumstance, but we are celebrating in the midst of Of the circumstance, and that is where we begin to shout hallelujah. Anyway, circumstances will come and go, and what got you in your setback is almost irrelevant to what happens next. Almost because what happens next is your decision that you're going to participate with God in a comeback, and you have a chance this morning to actually make a decision to say, Wait a minute. I've been letting this. I've been living under my circumstances. I've been living underneath. The Bible doesn't say you're the tail, not the head. The Bible says you're the head and not the tail. That you're above only and not beneath. That you're blessed coming in and you're blessed going out. You're blessed in the city. You're blessed in the field. The Bible says that no weapon formed against you shall prosper, but every tongue that rises against you, God himself will show to be in the wrong. That's who you are. But some of you are in a setback right now, and you're not feeling that right now. And that's why we have to make a decision, a quality decision, to participate with God, with God in our comeback. So let's look at the scripture. Hallelujah it simply means praise the Lord. Praise God. It's powerful when you understand what something means. I had the privilege of doing a funeral at St. Mary's Catholic Church. With Father Enda. Y'all remember Father Enda? I love that man. So we're sitting on the platform together, and he's doing what you're not supposed to do during church. He's talking to me the whole time. So I'm sitting by Father Enda, and he's, he's concerned because I didn't really know what was going on. I'm not Catholic. I don't have a Catholic background. A lot of iconoclasticism going on, a lot of symbolism, a lot of ceremony, and there's a lot of waving with stuff that's smoking. And uh, I remember incense, but my incense I burned back in the day was not that. I'm just saying. That was way before Jesus. So, so incense had a whole different connotation for me. So I'm watching this going, wow. And he's leaning over and he has his hand on my arm the whole time because he's concerned that I don't know what's going on. So what he does is he explains, this is that. This is what's happening here. This is what this represents. As he did that, every time I got a little more information about what was going on, it became more meaningful. It started to take on life. I started, oh, I get that. Oh, it's beautiful. Oh, That's amazing. I left that service with respect because I was seeing what was going on. I had the context. Let me tell you, you're in a situation right now and we don't always know what it means. For example, we've heard the word hallelujah. We have Christianese that we use all the time. And most of the time, maybe we don't even know what it means. I grew up in a hallelujah kind of folks. I mean, our our Baptists, we didn't clap, but every once in a while, somebody would shout hallelujah. We didn't dance either. You could tap one foot in church, just not two. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you get the left foot of fellowship if you do that. But every once in a while, somebody shout hallelujah, and it felt good. It sounded good, and it was exciting, but I had no idea what it meant. And finally, when I realized, did a little study and found out, oh, it means praise the Lord. It means praise Yahweh, praise God. Ah, now, I've, so when I shout hallelujah, I'm actually giving up. I'm raising a praise to him. And all of a sudden, it makes sense. It it has meaning. So I want you to get this because it's important. We need to know what it means. Paul writes this love letter to the church at Philippi, and it's because he loved those people. They were amazing. Here's the deal. One commentator said this. You can liken the letter to the church at Philippi, to the people in Philippi, as a missionary support letter is what we would see it in today. When I heard that, I read through through that book with that lens on, I realized this is exactly what Kate and Austin are sending us. It's a missionary support letter. In fact, it starts the same way with a greeting and then some celebration of what God's up to. And this is what we're doing. This is what we're planning to do. And then it ends with an appeal. It's not a missionary support letter if it doesn't end with an appeal. Paul thanks them for their gifts and their giving. He even says, and my God shall supply all your need. You know what that context was? It was thanking them for their giving, saying, God's going to bless you because you've blessed me. Be careful when you rip that one out of context. It actually means something. We'll get to that later. So it's a missionary support letter written to the church in Philippi. But here's where it's written from, a prison cell. Paul was sitting in prison because, well, he was in a setback. He was preaching the gospel, the good news, and they imprisoned him for it. So listen to this, celebrating in the circumstance, not celebrating the circumstance. Philippians chapter 1, verse 12, if you're reading your Bible, verse 12. Paul says this, writing to them, Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Wait a minute, he's in prison right now. This is the guy who was peddled to the metal in the first three missionary journeys, planting churches everywhere he went going from village to village, and extraordinary things were happening. Signs and wonders were following and and confirming the preaching of the gospel. Amazing things. The book of Acts was happening in real time. In fact, the book of Acts is this. It's the historical account of those journeys. Now we're seeing the letters written to the churches of the book of Acts. So you see the context there. So in the midst of that, he's saying, what has happened to me? Well, what happened to him? He was thrown in prison. He was incarcerated. So the racehorse is now stuck on a pony ride. He's stuck. He's set back. But look what he says. This is a guy who's looking at the glass half full. We have any half full folks in here? Anybody? Thank you. I love everyone who just raised their hand. We, we get along. Look at this. As a result, it has come, become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else, everyone else, that I am in chains for christ he's saying everyone knows why i'm here that i'm not really i've not done anything wrong i've not done anything illegal i've not done anything unjust i've not done anything immoral but i am in chains simply because of jesus let me tell you friends you associate with jesus it's not going to all be rainbows and unicorns and every day is not going to be friday for you you are going to have setbacks and if you don't make room for a theology of suffering in your walk with God, you're going to be sorely disappointed. Because let me tell you something, the God who, who inspired Romans eight twenty eight and God who causes all things to work together for the good, for those who are the called and according to his purpose, that is for you and for me. And actually, throughout the book of Philippians, he refers to suffering and setbacks. Look what he says. Now, you know, it's... Everyone knows why I'm here. Verse 14. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. Wait a minute. That seems a little backwards, doesn't it? Here, I used to say that the kingdom is upside down, but actually I realized, no, the kingdom is right side up. We're upside down. And in the kingdom of God... What seems to be the thing that is a setback always produces a comeback. It produces an opportunity to overcome. Wherever you find yourself right now, if you're in a setback, let me tell you, God is wanting to write that thing. He's going to right size it. Because right now you're feeling like, gosh, this isn't working. I thought I was following God or I wasn't following God and my choice got me here. Let me tell you something. God loves you so much that even if it was your choice that got you there, he loves you so much, he can override that, reach into the depths of your life, and pull you out of the pit. Why? Because he just stinking loves you. He loves you. Because it's easy to think in in a performance mentality, well, but my choice got me here, so I don't even feel like I'm worthy to ask God for help. What? He loves you so much, he will bring you out. Listen to this. They were encouraged to speak more boldly because of his setback. That's backwards. That doesn't make sense. it's, It's like the more the devil tries to squash... You squash a Christian, squash the early church, the more spread out things go. I did something in high school that I'm saying, do not ever do this. But I had a whole hand full of mercury one time in class. Our teacher, I know, our teacher had said, whatever you do, do not touch this. It's toxic. And we're like, oh, this is so cool. So we're like playing with it, a bunch of boys standing around one of those old slate tables, you know, with the Bunsen burners, and and we're down there. I'm just playing with it, and it it, it goes out of my hand on the floor. And in my mind, I'm thinking, well, I'll just pick it up. (laughs) When that mercury hit the floor, it shattered into a million pieces. And I guarantee you, that ground is probably still toxic to this day (laughs) because I dropped mercury on the floor because it went... Everywhere, And there was no way to get it back. It's exactly what happens when the enemy tries to crush you. The enemy thinks, I'm going to stop this by setting them back. I'm going to stop this by stomping on them. I'm going to stop. I'm going to break them. And when I break them, they'll stop testifying of the goodness of God. They'll stop living for Jesus. They'll stop praying. They'll stop praising God. And what happens as soon as he steps on us? Pew, we go everywhere. I remember Brother Yun talking about the underground church in China. There's a three self patriotic church, which is the government sponsored church. He was in the underground church. One of the generals was over millions of believers in China. And I remember him saying, Do not pray that the persecution will stop. He said, Pray that we will bear up and our testimony will rise above the persecution. This is a man who had been incarcerated, had been tortured, had been beaten for his faith in modern times. This was 15 years ago. Don't pray that the person... He said Americans always pray that things will stop. The pain, the the betrayal, the the being misunderstood as though that's persecution. And, and, And they pray, don't pray that for us. Just pray that we will bear up and our testimony will remain enemy tries to step on you that is your opportunity and it is a setup for a comeback where you can proclaim Jesus and show the world the king of kings the lord of lords amen Amen. in spite of and you can shout hallelujah anyway why because you know the end of the story you know the story arc the hero is going to rise from the ashes listen to this he says they're speaking the word more courageously even because and in the threat of incarceration themselves. Verse 15, it is true that some preach, this is where Paul always blows my mind, this is a mind blower. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. Beautifully said, but the former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. Paul said there are actually people intentionally preaching the gospel to get him further back in a setback, to actually bring and heap persecution on him. They know if they stir up the crowds and they say, Paul told us to say this, Paul's our, our mentor, Paul's our missionary, he's our apostle. They knew that they could actually, so they were preaching the gospel. And look what Paul says. you think Paul's about to go on a ramp, right? Paul's going to tear them He's go, with a pin. He's going to up one side and down the other. You think Paul is just going to lose it? And look what Paul says. But what does it matter? Now wait a minute. This is the one who stands for truth. This is the one who defended truth on Mars Hill with the philosophers. This is the one who stood against all the various cults and pagan influences in the church as they were establishing them. This is the one who would stand in a synagogue and go toe-to-toe apologetically with anybody and defend the gospel. And he says that when they're preaching, even if it's out of pretense, what does it matter? What, Paul gone soft? What's going on here? Look what he says. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. Let me tell you why this is important. Because you and I get so hung up on the messenger that we don't even hear the message. And when that guy spins out the celebrity pastor, the evangelist, the guy with the cool hair and all of that. And he spins out. We go, yeah, kind of saw that coming. Yeah, I knew that was too good to be true. And Paul says, it doesn't matter. Do you know I had somebody at one time actually approach me, sat down with me and said, can I talk to you, Pastor Jimmy? I said, sure. She said this. She said, did you read about that guy, that, that evangelist who crashed and burned? I said, oh, yeah, it was bad. It's a black mark on all of us. We're gonna, it'll be years overcoming that one. And she said, I got saved at one of his crusades. And she looked at me with sincerity. She said, am I still saved? Am I, did I really get saved? What would Paul say to her? <laughs> so why do we get so worked up about it? Why do we get so tore up about if it's said just right? Let's split some theological hairs. We better make sure they're saying it just like this. Because if they're not saying it like I say it, then they may be missing the boat. They may be misleading somebody. Do we trust God enough? Do we trust the Holy Spirit enough to watch over, manage, and navigate our stupidity to get truth where it needs to be, when it needs to be, and right smack on target? This is why it's okay for you to share your faith with somebody else. Because it's not about the messenger. It's about the message. Amen. Whether, Look what he says. Whether from false motives or true, he's just happy that Christ is preached. Yeah. And because of this, I rejoice. And he says it twice. Anytime you see Paul repeating something, it's for emphasis. And again, he says, I will continue to rejoice. Are you in a setback today? Here's the good news. So was Paul. And you know that some of the greatest words in the Bible that were written were written from prison? They're called the prison epistles. The prison letters. Where Paul found himself in a place where he had a choice to make. I can either align myself with God's will in the middle of this circumstance and... I can line myself up and rise out of this and maximize this moment or I can curl up in a corner in a prison cell and rot with the rest of the guys. He made up his mind that he would not sit back in the midst of a setback but he would embrace it as an opportunity for a comeback. What about you, family? What about you? Are you in a bad season? Has it been rough? The wheel's falling off. Things broken. You've been betrayed. Let me tell you what you're a candidate for. You're a candidate for a comeback. Amen. And that's how much your Father loves you. Our devotion to Jesus, our hallelujah anyway, can't just be when things are going bad. Our devotion, our relationship, and men, we use this word, it's hard for us men sometimes to get a hold of, but our intimacy with Christ is critical. Because let me tell you something, if you will praise Him on the mountaintop if you will celebrate Jesus in the best of times, if you will glorify him when things are working and your engine is blueprinted and balanced and running on all eight cylinders and everything's working like it's supposed to, when you do that, let me tell you something, when the wheels do fall off and when the pit comes and when you find yourself swallowed up by circumstances you will praise Him there too because you know that's not the end of the story. You know it is only a fact, it is only temporary, and it is subject to change. And that is why when we're going through the valley of the shadow of death, Psalm 23 says, I go, yea, though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, not that I stop, not that I pitch a tent, not that I go sightseeing, not that I build a house here. I am not staying here. I am moving through here. That is your comeback. i want to go ahead and invite our worship team to make their way up as we land the plane because I want to give you some practical tools. Here's the bottom line, though. Just because you employ these things doesn't mean automatic growth. This is where you lean in with your heart. I love what John Eldridge talks about, our need for wholeheartedness. We've got to get our hearts back. Get our souls whole again and healed. So I want to give you these. We've been talking about these. And they're just little things. They're only tools to help you. So hopefully these will help. And I'll post these back online again just so you can find them if you want these on my Facebook page or the Bridge Church Fredericksburg page. Practice the one-minute pause. The one-minute pause is simple. It's not a magic bullet. All it is is you stopping for a moment to say this. Jesus, I give everyone. And everything to you. I give everyone and everything to you, God. And then you thank him. Lord, I thank you for my union with Christ. My union with you. If there's been a breach in my fellowship, heal my union with you. And then you ask to be filled. Lord, fill me with all that you are. Everything that you are. Holy Spirit, fill me to full and overflowing. And then you simply ask for the river of God to flow through you. Lord, I invoke the river of God to fill me, flow through me, flow over me, flow under me, flow around me. Ezekiel 47 said it became a river. The river of life became a river that couldn't even be crossed. They were in over their heads in the presence of God. It's that simple. The next thing is play worship music in your home. We do know big brothers listening through your phones and Alexa, right? I tested this with Alexa. We did this on purpose. Remember Untuck It shirts? Now, here's what's going to happen, because I'm talking about it right now. It's going to end up in my news feed later today. Here's exactly what happened. I told Annette, let's test this thing. Big Brother's listening. So so we had an Alexa, and we had our phone sitting there. And I said, hey, Adet, I think I want an Untuck It shirt. I think those are really cool. I think it's a great idea. I talked about Untuck It shirts for five minutes. Then we went about our days. Several hours later, same day, guess what shows up in my news feed? And I'd never clicked on a website one. Untuck It shirts. It's in my, it's like, so Big Brother's listening this thing. But here's a good thing about Alexa slash Big Brother. Is you can actually ask Siri. And every phone, if I say that loud, every phone will go off in here. But you can, you can actually ask Siri or Alexa and say, Siri, Alexa, shuffle songs by Bethel Music. And all of a sudden your room is filled with sounds of worship. Alexa, shuffle songs by Hillsong. All of a sudden, your room is filled. Put on worship music. Let it saturate the atmosphere of where you live. And when you leave for the day, turn it on and let it play. When you come home, your atmosphere. You'll walk in and it'll be like, whoa, whoa, what just happened here? Let me tell you what happened here. You saturated the room with the sounds of praise and worship. It's simple. It's simple. Get these words on your lips. It's one thing to say something, it's another, or to think something, but it's another thing to declare. Begin to declare hallelujah anyway. When you're having a day, anybody had a moment this week? Anybody, had, anybody have a day this week? Anybody get up on the wrong side of the bed? Don't point. Just saying. Don't elbow anybody next to you. We all have this stuff. but When we get hallelujah on our lips, we're saying praise the Lord anyway. Praise God anyway. In spite of, in the midst of, doesn't matter what the circumstances are. God is good, I know, because I have history in God. And I know that my history in God says this, this is temporary and subject to change. This is not my lot in life. This will not last for the rest of my life. I am not genetically predisposed to have a bad life. Because I am in Christ, I have a new heart. Because I'm in Christ, I have a new spirit. You do know that your heart is not wicked. Oh, but the Bible says that. Yeah, somewhere in the old covenant. Let me tell you, when Jesus showed up on the scene, He says this: "You now the new heart." Right. Oh, come on, somebody. <laughs> You're thinking, well, but my mind seems desperately wicked. No, that's residue, that's memory. You're trained to think that way. That's your mind. That's oh, but you got to renew your mind. Renew your mind by changing the way you think. Romans Amen. twelve two. We do that, and what happens is is we're elevated out of that. And we go, oh my gosh, I have history in God. I have a new heart. I'm a new creation in Christ. You are not who you used to be. You're not. And the devil will tell you every day, oh, you hadn't really changed. See that thing you did? You used to do that when you were a kid. See that thing? Your daddy did that stuff. And you just go, you know what, devil? I don't care what you have to say. I know who I am in Christ. I know who I am. I'm a child of God. Let me just tell you something. I know my future, but listen, I know yours too. I've read the end of the book. I know where you're going. And by the way, you've already been defanged. Jesus already took the keys. You've already lost because Jesus was raised from the dead. He conquered death, hell, and the grave. He defanged you. So you, when you know who you are, and that's leads to the next thing, immersing yourself in the Word of God. Here it is. The Word of God works but you have to help me, somebody. You have to work the word. How do you do that? Well, you get it on your lips. You declare it. I am the head and not the tail. Let me tell you, when I say that, that's out of Deuteronomy, and it's just something wells up inside of me. I am blessed coming in. I'm blessed going out. I'm blessed in the city. I'm blessed in Harper. Come on, somebody. Yeah. I'm blessed in Kerrville. I'm blessed in Comfort. I'm blessed in Luke and Bach. I'm ble- Come on. What you do, you're now working the word. The word works, but you've got to work it. Get it on your lips. Begin to declare the truth of God. What does God say? Because really, at the end of the day, it's all that matters. And what that does is it right-sizes you to the kingdom. Now you're in alignment. And then this last one, choose restoration over relief. What are the crutches and props we reach for? For temporary relief instead of missing the long game with restoration. Truth is temporary and subject to change. That's the short game. Relief is just just short-lived. It's three glasses of wine instead of two. It's, ah, man, I'm not even going to start. I just meddled right there. I just stepped right off in it. Here's the deal. We opt for relief when God is saying, I've got restoration got restaurant. i got something way better than the prop and the crutch. It's not always the crutch that you're running to for relief. And that's the problem. It's why you're doing it. No, it's what is driving you to do it. So ask this question, what is making me reach for this? Not why. Why may never be answered. Why is ambiguous. But what is solid? What is tangible? What is is driving you to reach for relief instead of the long game, restoration, walking with God, growing in God, maturing with Him. What is making me reach for this? And when you identify it, name it and kill it. Call it out. Present it to Jesus. Consecrate yourself. I present this this thing to you, Lord. I don't want this. This isn't your will. This isn't your best. So I present this thing, call it out, name it, call it out, and let God deal with it. Amen? Amen. As we land the plane, I just want to remind you, family, if you're stuck, if you're in a setback, you're in the greatest possible place for a comeback, and God wants that for you. He wills that for you today. Can you bow your heads and close your eyes? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for truth. That transforms truth that sets us free. Truth that changes the way we think. That renews our mind by the pure washing of the water of the word. So I pray for my friends and my family here that we will choose and opt to raise a hallelujah anyway. In the midst of our situation, in the midst of our set. Thank you that Paul could write a book of joy, a letter of joy in the middle of a prison cell because he understood the bigger story. Lord, give us grace to know that our history in you teaches us that this will not last forever. I am not destined to be in a setback the rest of my life. So, Lord, give us grace to lean in and lean forward into this. We honor you in it. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to invite our... our, uh, prayer team to come up here. They'll be at the front. We are here for you. We're going to go out with worship. Why don't you all stand to your feet? Let's worship together as we leave. We're here for prayer for anything.